Isaiah chapter 53. And I've got a, I've got a word I believe is going to bless you this morning. Amen. It's going to speak to your heart. And um, I really, I'm really excited about sharing this with you. And as Pastor Andrew said, don't forget next Sunday is Christmas Eve. We're going to have a special candlelight service um, and communion uh, next Sunday morning at this same time. Um, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else, but God is answering my prayers with this weather right now. So uh, if, you're, if you're mad, then just wait for summer, and then I'll be mad. We'll just switch. But this actually feels like Christmas to me, so I'm, I'm happy. Amen. Isaiah chapter 53. We're also going to have an awesome service tonight. So don't miss coming back at 6. I want to read um, verse 1 and read several verses. If you're there, give me an amen. amen. Many of you know and recognize this scripture as it says, who, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows." Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Father, I thank you this morning for this time together uh, as believers and as, as uh, people who are understanding this one. This is the reason, God, why we celebrate your birth. As you came down from heaven and became man, Lord, there was a plan and there was a purpose. And Lord, sometimes we don't fully understand that and we don't fully grasp the power and the anointing that you had upon your son as he came down to do something that would change humanity. Father, we ask that you'd open up our eyes and our ears and our spirits to receive this morning and that not one person this morning would leave out of here the same way they came. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think about something. I'm going to go back, if you'll just look there again, to a couple key verses that are really important. I want to relate this, and, and over here we see the manger. And this is a great, we had a kids thing last week, and I said, let's leave this here because this is a great picture. Some of you can't see it real well over there. This is a great picture of, of where our salvation started. But if you ever thought about salvation, and if you ever thought about kingdom and kings and eternal life and and crowns and and good things and powerful things you would never ever think of this this is the lowliest of the lows and and I'm always amazed at 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 the gospel story and and I always tell people I'm a I, obviously I'm a believer wholeheartedly in the gospel 
But I always tell people, if this, if this gospel is not true, if Jesus isn't who he says he is, and the word of God is just an amazing masterpiece of, of coincidence, it's the greatest story ever told. It's an amazing story because when we think about our lives and how we want to spend eternity in heaven, and, we, and nobody in here in their right mind would not want that, would not want to spend eternity in heaven, if we understand that we want to live forever and we want to be with God and be with our creator, we have to understand how God made that plan possible. And a lot of times we, we go straight to the cross and, and, and understand what Jesus did there. But if it wasn't for the, for the manger and if it wasn't for this little tiny, um, st- uh, what is that called anyway, by the way? Huh? What's this called? No, the, isn't the manger where it was? Thresh? Sounds good. Crash? Crash? Is there a more modern word? Bed? I guess. <laughs> that's, that's, that's beyond my education. Amen. That was a good one, though. Amen. Okay, the bed. Amen. In the manger. The lowest of lows. And, and he didn't even have a, 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 real, a real bedroom, a real bed to lay on. And we know the story, and we sing about it away in a manger. And we sing all these songs at Christmas time. But I want you to really think about something about the plan that God had of salvation in that, in that manger, and in that bed, in that crash. Did I say it right that time? Amen. And, and, and what this represents, because somebody that who's, who's rich this morning has a lot of possessions, had a lot of things, could have a struggle um, maybe relating to that because it's so low. But you know what? Sometimes somebody who's on the low, somebody who's down at, at, at rock bottom and looking up, doesn't con- sometimes have the capacity to relate to something that they can't reach up and grab. And that's the amazing thing about the manger is that God did not just come down to the earth to become a human being, but he went to the lowest of lowest places. And there's no place lower, if you think about it. Some people think, why a manger? Well, it was the lowest place that God could go and be born. If you think about the plan, and I want you just to stay with me for a second here. You think about the plan that we're reading a book that was 700 years before Jesus walked the earth. And we're reading a prophecy out of Isaiah. And he is talking about a word here in verse 3 that says he's despised and rejected by man. We see here that it says uh, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He did, we, we picture a lot of times Jesus' sorrows and grief on the cross. His life started in sorrow and grief. His life started with everything stacked up against him. Even when he was going to be born, he couldn't even get into a place of normality to be born. He was, he was uh, against the, the, the fence, so to speak, from the very moment he came out into this world. And he stepped onto this earth. And we see that here he is being born in a manger, in a stable. And, and I want you to think about this and remember this. Um, it wasn't an accident that when they went to that inn that there was no room. That was all part of the plan. It was all part of the plan so that God could show humanity that I'm coming down to the very, very, I mean, you can't get any lower to the ground than this right here. This is what they eat off the ground, what he slept in, what he was born in, what he was placed in. And we would never picture, think about this, we would never picture royalty in that picture right there. There is nothing glamorous about that at all. Yet today we know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, we know that, that he, he paves the streets of, of heaven with gold. 
We know that there are rivers of crystal clear water. We read Revelation and begin to get the description of what heaven looks like. But it's so far removed from that right there. And the awesome thing about our faith is God asks us to believe in this before we can ever have that. God is the God of hidden treasures. Now I want you to think about this as we continue to read. He says, he says in verse 3, As we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. And going back up to the beginning of verse, of two, verse 2, it says he had, no, in the middle of verse 2, no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there was no beauty that we should desire him. Again, this was a total curve to the people who were looking for Jesus to come onto this earth already as a king. Already as somebody who had it all together. It's an amazing thing. Why? Because me and you as human beings, regardless of our social status, regardless of our financial status, we are all poor in spirit because we're lost without Jesus. We're sinners. Amen. Now, as I've read that to you this morning, I want to read you one of my all-time favorite stories. I believe it's been a while since I've read it. You may or may have not heard this story, but I want you to listen closely to this story. A wealthy man and his son loved to collect rare works of art. They had everything in their collection, from Picasso to Raphael. They would often sit together and admire their great works of art that they had. When the Vietnam War came along, and conflict broke out, the son was sent off to war. He was a very courageous man, and during a very heated battle, one day he died in battle rescuing another soldier. As the father was notified that his son had been killed in the war, he was obviously very deeply grieved by this. About a month later, right before Christmas, there was a knock at the door. A young man stood at the door with a large package in his hands. He said, Sir, you do not know me, but I am the soldier for whom your son gave his life. He saved many lives that day and was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in his heart and he died instantly. He often talked about you and your love for art. As this man is saying this, obviously the father is gripped with immense sorrow, and at the same time joy as he knows that his son gave his life for somebody else. The young man held out this package and said, I know this isn't much, especially as I know that you are a great art collector. This will not mean much to you at all. I'm not really a great artist, but I think your son would have liked you to have this. As the father opened the package, it was a portrait of his son painted by the young man. He stared in awe at the, the way the soldier had captured the personality of his son in the painting. The father was so drawn to the eyes of his son that his own eyes began to well up with tears. He thanked the young man and said, Son, how much do I owe you? You must let me pay you something for this picture. He said, No, sir, I could never repay what your son did for me. It's a gift. The father took the picture and hung the portrait over his mantle of his fireplace, removing many, many priceless, uh, very expensive pictures out of the way to put the picture of, this son, of his son on the mantle. 
Every time visitors from that day forward would come to the house to see the other arts pieces that they had, he always took them first and foremost over to the fireplace and said, look at my greatest piece of art. This is a picture of my son who gave his life in battle for another soldier. The man died a few months later. There was to be a great auction of his paintings. And he left in his will that the auction would be done on Christmas Day. Many influential people gathered, very excited over knowing the paintings that this man had in his home and having an opportunity to purchase one of them for their collection. On the platform of this auction sat the painting of the sun. The auctioneer pounded his gavel and said, we will start the bidding of this picture of the sun. Who will bid for this picture? As he began to say that, there was a silence in the room. And then a voice in the back of the room shouted, we want to see the famous paintings. We did not come to see this ugly picture of this man. Give us the good paintings. The auctioneer persisted. Who will bid for this painting? Who will start the bidding at $100, $200? Somebody bid for this painting. Another voice shouted angrily, we didn't, see, we didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Van Goghs. We came to see the Rembrandts get on with the real bids. As the crowd got more crazy, the auctioneer continued, The sun, the sun, who will take the picture of the sun? Finally, a voice from the very back of the room very faintly said, I will give $10 for the painting. It was the longtime gardener of the man and his son. He had recognized the painting. He had waited till no one else would buy the painting because he did not have even $100 to buy the painting. He says, can somebody bid 20 after this man had bid 10? The crowd continued to get more and more angry. We do not want the picture of this son. They wanted the worthy investments for their collections. Finally, the auctioneer pounded the gavel, going once, going twice, sold for $10. A man sitting on the second row said, Finally, now let's get on with the auction. The auctioneer laid his gavel down and said, I'm sorry, the auction is over. The crowd went crazy and wild and began to scream and say, What's going on? What are you talking about? What about the paintings? The auctioneer said, I'm sorry, when I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a secret stipulation of the will. I was not allowed to reveal this stipulation until this time. I was told only the painting of the sun would be auctioned. Whoever bought that painting would, entire, would inherit the entire estate and the paintings. The man who took the sun got everything. The man who takes the sun gets everything. What a picture of the gospel. That's, that's the picture of the gospel, church. God is shouting out to the world, Whoever will take the son, right here in this low place of the manger, in this bed, whoever will accept him here will get everything that I have. Think about it. Isn't that a powerful picture this morning? God, think about how, that's why it's called hidden treasure. What, 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 what would it have been like if, if God would have shouted from the mountaintops on a hill paved with gold, here's my son, he's the king, he's the savior. If he'd have had him do it backwards and rise from the dead first, it would have been different. But here's the thing God did. He said, I want you to believe on my son in the manger. 
I want you to believe on my son in that lowly place. And if you will believe that, and if you will believe that story, and you will believe that promise that I give you, if you will believe in my son, I will give you everything. Amen? And I want you to think about something this morning. Inside this place of lowliness is a crown. This is what God has for us. And this, this manger becomes our crown. Hidden treasure. You never saw the crown before. You couldn't see it from where you were sitting. But now as you say, Lord, I believe in the manger. I believe in that place that you say is where your son came from. God says inside there is a hidden treasure of eternal life. John 3.35 says the father loves the son. Listen, and give, has given all things into his hand. That means that if I believe in Jesus, I get everything the Father has. Amen? Luke 6, 22 and 23 says, Blessed are you when people hate you and they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Amen? I want, to, I want to encourage you this morning on this week going into Christmas that we are the most blessed people in the world this morning. We, we, we don't, it doesn't matter what we have here on this earth. If you have things on this earth, that's just a bonus. I want you to understand that we have a hidden treasure waiting for us this morning, which is glorious beyond words and description. Can you say amen? Something that is so amazing and, 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 and that lowly gardener that did not have anything but $10, it probably was a struggle even to give that $10. He humbled himself and served that family and believed on that son and knew that painting was important to his, to his owner's household. And he said, I'm going to buy that. And he, and he purchased it. And it's kind of like the story of the pearl of great price that we talked about recently, the last couple weeks. That if you become, if you come onto a, a place where you find hidden treasure, what, would, what wouldn't you give to buy the land where that treasure is and so what God is asking of us this morning is that we would give everything we have of our lives we're not talking about material possessions we're talking about our hearts that we would give God our hearts this morning that we would lay down everything for him that's why Jesus said unless you take up your cross and deny yourself you cannot follow me you cannot be my disciple because he's saying you have to believe in that you have to believe in the manger you cannot have this this is what everybody wants this is what the world wants the world wants the crown the world wants riches. The world wants things. The world wants possessions. The world wants peace. The world wants joy. And all of these things we can have. But you can't have them without this. This has to be taken first. That's why I said, who will take the sun? Who will take the sun? Amen? I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3 if you would. And I want to show you just a couple more verses here that are really important. And uh, actually, so I don't want you to go to Colossians. I want you to go to 1 John, please. I'm going to read Colossians to you for time. As you're getting to 1 John chapter 5, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily, as, the, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I want to ask you right now as you're going to 1 John, do you believe, you don't have to answer out loud, but do you believe as I believe that God is a God who will reward if he says he'll reward? Amen. 
He says in Revelation, he says, I'm coming quickly, and behold, my reward is with me. Amen? And you begin to think about uh, what God has asked us to do. He hasn't asked us personally to do anything to be saved. That's the amazing thing. I don't have to physically do anything to be saved. Lots of people try. We've been going over that a lot in the last few weeks, how people try to do good things to be accepted by God, how people try to do good works to be good enough to be in God's kingdom and all of those things. Those are, those are fruits of righteousness. Those are things we do after we receive salvation. But God said the only way, and I want you to listen carefully to this this morning, the only way that you can have eternal life is if you accept the Son right there. I'm going to keep repeating that. You have to understand, if you don't accept the son, if you don't take him from the manger, if you don't believe that this is where it started and that's where salvation begins, you can't have the rest. But if you do believe that and if you do put your faith in Christ and you do say, I accept and I believe the work of the son, Jesus Christ, from the manger all the way through, then there is something waiting for us that the Bible says, I has not seen an ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men all of the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We're, 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 we're at Christmas time where, where if you're human and you're honest, you want something, you, something you like. And even if you say, you know what, I'll be honest, I said that this year, I don't need anything. Even though I don't need anything and, and told my daughters I don't want anything, it's not, still nice to get a gift. Right, even if you're in that place where you feel like I don't, I don't, I really don't honestly desire anything, don't need anything, you're still gonna. I'm not gonna turn it down, amen. I'm gonna be thankful for it and I'm gonna be excited for it. We love to get gifts. We love to receive things, and God has some amazing things for us. I want you to look at First John five. The, the, this is the the really the core of this message, is understanding this, and I want you to look at verse eleven, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And look at this. And this life is where? In his son. He who has the son, this is the verse I sent out this morning, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know Say, tell somebody that you may know. Amen. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. What a powerful verse. Amen. And then he even goes on to say something even greater. How many like the word confidence? How many like to be able to say something with confidence? I'm glad this morning that I'm able to say that I am saved with confidence. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what he did that started right there in the manger. Amen? It says, now this is the confidence, verse 14, that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Amen. You know, we don't have to go to Santa Claus. We go to the Son. Amen? We go to the Son. We go to the Lord and we say, Father, I'm understanding every day more. And this takes time sometimes. I can be honest, it's taken me some years to understand that I don't have to do anything for Him to love me. He loved me first. Some people say, why do you love God? And I say, because the Bible tells me I love God because He loved me first. 
Amen? I, I didn't love him first. I, he loved me first. But you just, you just have to re- be reminded this morning, over and over again, that, that this is where it began. It began in the lowliness of places, in a manger, where a baby was born of a virgin, without sin, perfect, and in and, and the lowliest of places. And I love the story this morning of the three magi that come and find Jesus. And they have the first revelation of salvation. They are men who are prosperous. And this is another thing I like to... Sometimes we, we get this picture that because he was born in a manger, that, that only poor people can get it or only poor people can have it. No, it's across the board. Everybody can have it. Amen? Everybody can have it. But you have to recognize that he did not come to be born in the Ritz-Carlton. He did not come to be born in a five-star hotel. Those Magi, although they did not, listen closely, and I'm not going to read this story this morning, although they were not looking for him or expecting to see him in a manger. See, when they got that word that they were going to follow a star to go find Jesus, I don't think that they mentioned to to them that you're going to find him in a manger, in a stable. You're going to find him on hay with a bunch of animals. They just said you're going to go find a star, and they said you're going to find a king. And so when they went and they found him, it was amazing because they took that gold and the frankincense and myrrh. Those are symbolic of that from the little play they did. And, and they placed those gifts before him. But they had a revelation when they saw him. How many know when they walked in and, and, or got near the place and thought, man, uh, we already passed the inn. We must, the star must be off. This can't be where the king is. I mean, they had to carnally in their minds think, this, this, this star is uh, maybe a few, few degrees off. We've come this far, but the, the end's back there. And it's going to be another few miles before we get to another place of, 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 of wealth or a place that is, is worthy for a king to be born in. And as they kept getting closer and they saw the surroundings and they saw the star right above the manger and the stable, they thought, wow, I guess this is the place. And they had to express their faith when they walked in, and they, they did it backwards. They took their crowns. They took their crowns. They took their wealth, and they laid it at Jesus' feet. And they, and they worshiped him as king. They worshiped him as king. See, we, we are so blessed today to have the whole story written. We have the whole story written that he was born in a manger and then he grew up and, and he grew up in, in, in wisdom and stature and then at 12 he went into the temple began to preach and we have the story that he began to, uh, to, to, to serve as a carpenter and just be living a life of perfection and, and blameless and not sinning and we have the story that then all of a sudden he begins to do his first miracle because his mom, that would have been my mom for sure. Come on Blake, do a miracle. I could just, that, that's the way my mom would have been. My mom, since like I was five years old, has pushed me to do all kinds of things. Pushed me up and I know what it's like, Josh, to be embarrassed. My mom made me sing in front of 500 people when I was like seven. I know it's like, amen? And I still remember the song, He's Still Working on Me. Yeah. If you heard that song right now, you would laugh. Amen? But I know what it's like for that mom to push you out. And she says, Jesus, do a miracle. He's like, it's not time yet, mom. And then, okay, mom, I'll do it. And he does his first miracle and turns water into wine. And so we have the whole story. Then he goes and does the miracles. And then he goes on to begin to preach the gospel, does the parables that we read that are so powerful. We have the story written that he goes on 
to begin to tell his disciples, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to sacrifice my life for you. We have the story that he gets into the garden, prays to the Father, Lord, keep my disciples. We have the story written that he goes and gets turned in by Judas Iscariot for 30 pieces of silver. And then he gets flogged and beaten and, and, and bruised and, and put a crown of thorns on his head. We know the story that he goes out to Golgotha and carries his own cross and then dies on the cross for our sins. We know the story that he goes into that grave and he dies. And he dies for three days, and then three days later, he rises from the dead and conquers death. We know the story that he appears to 500 people. We know the story that he ascends into heaven, and today he's there interceding for us. We know all that, but see, the wise men didn't know any of that. And they still believed. And they made a statement. They said, you know what, I'm going to turn in what I have here today. I'm going to give something to the king so that one day... I can get something back. This is an amazing exchange that happens in the gospel. It's back and forth. I come and I say, Jesus, I believe that this is where it started. And I lay down whatever I have. It doesn't have to be a crown. It just says, Lord, I give you my life and I surrender to you. And I lay down my life for you. And then the Bible tells us that one day there's going to be a reward. I just read a couple of them to me. Here's another one. 2 John chapter 1, 7 and 8 says, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for and says, but may receive a full reward. Amen. How many know that, that every day that goes by that gets further away from the time that Jesus walked this earth, it's more and more easy to be deceived. It's more and more easy to doubt that he's coming back again. But he said he's coming back again. And he's a God who keeps his promises. Amen. He's a God who cannot lie this morning. Amen. And so then we, we go over and we lay down that, that, that uh, uh, life to him. And it, this crown just represents our life. It, it, it could be a lot, could be a little. But we say, Lord, I lay down my life to you. And, and from, the day, from now on till the day I physically die, I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to tell other people about you. Because there's a parable that I want to, I want to close with. It's about the, the meanness. Amen? How many have heard that one before? And he says that he, he goes to this place and he, he, he says, I'm going to go away. I'm going to build a kingdom. I'm going to go away and I'm going to give each of you some meanness. Another word for that is talents. In another parable. And he says, to, some, to, to one he gave ten, to another he gave five. To another he gave three, and he gives these to them, and he says, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go away, and when I come back, I want, you to, I want you to have done something with that. This morning, we are believers, and if you're not a believer, you're going to have an opportunity in a minute to become a believer, but we are believers in this place that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and he has given us a call to do two things, to tell people about him and to occupy until he comes. Meaning we have to go through this life and live this life, but that going back to Colossians, everything that I do would be done for the Lord. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Amen? Now I'm going to be honest with you. I know there's a lot of amazing things in heaven waiting for me. But I'm honestly just thankful that I'm going to be there. 
I'm being honest. I'm just thankful I'm going to be there. But I also know that God has some stuff waiting for me that my eyes and ears have never seen or heard. And it is going to be amazing. Amen. It is going to be so powerful, so awesome, so amazing. It's going to make Disney World look like nothing. Amen. It's going to make the greatest thing you've ever thought of seem like nothing. And the last verse is Revelation. I got ahead of myself. Revelation twenty-two, twelve. He says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. Listen, to give to everyone according to his work. Why do you do good things? Now, not to be saved. Your salvation is free. Your salvation is a gift. Why you do good works, why you tell people about the Lord, why you pray, why you give to the Lord, why you go out and witness, why you help others, why you're unselfish, why you do all that is because you are working on a crown. You are working on a crown. Those wise men were being prophetic of what was to come. Are you all following this? Don't close me off. I'm closing. This, they were being prophetic. See, the Bible says that at the end of days, when we stand before God, all of our works are going to be tested. And the Bible says anything. Now, here's the great news. When we stand on that day, we're not going to be judged for condemnation. Thank God. That was a really good place to say amen. We're going to be judged for what we've done. And the Bible says that our works are going to be tested by fire. And so a lot of the things we do or don't do today is like this right here. It's just, it's just not meaningful. It's, it's not something that's going to hurt you, but it's just not meaningful. And so when you do something that's not meaningful or, or maybe you don't do what God asked you to do, then this is going into your, to your bank account spiritually. And then one day, everything you've done for the Lord or not done for the Lord is going to be thrown onto a, I say, a spiritual conveyor belt. And it's going to go through fire. And the Bible says wood, hay, and stubble will just burn to nothing. But whatever you've done that is gold, silver, and precious stones, whenever you've obeyed the word of the Lord, whenever you've witnessed for the word of the Lord, you've given of your time, you've given of your things, you've shared the gospel, you've prayed, you've, you've came to church and served, you've done all these things for the Lord, those things are going to go through that conveyor belt and they're going to come out on the other side, a crown. A crown. And that right there is what Jesus is going to give to you. Can you imagine hidden treasure? Can you imagine what that's going to be like? For, him, for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, to say, Myra, this is yours. Now, honestly, I don't, I would, I'm being honest. I, would, I don't even need the crown. Like, Jesus, just give me a hug. Just hold me. I just, I just want to thank you. I'm telling you, when we see that glory, this right here, it's not going to mean anything to us because we're going to be so happy to be with him. But here's why we do this. Did anybody just follow that, by the way? Trust me, you're going to be like, none of this other stuff even matters. I just want to be with you, Jesus. But the why we do this is because the Bible says we will take the crown and we will lay it back at his feet. We will lay it back at his feet. And I don't want to stand before the king empty-handed so those wise men were being prophetic 
all the way back in the time of the Bible in Matthew when they walked in and they laid gold and silver and frankincense, sorry, gold, silver and frankincense and, and myrrh before him. They laid it down. When they did that, they were prophesying to the church that this is what you'll do someday. I don't know about you, but I want a crane for mine. I want mine to need a crane. Amen. Amen. Here you go, Lord. Or at least 10 or 15 people to carry it. Right? Because I want to be, I want to show the Lord I'm thankful for what he's done for me. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you are the hidden treasure. That you are everything to us this Christmas. And not just at Christmas, but every day of the year. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you so much for my salvation. God, you are real to me. More real than anybody that's here. More real than anything I can hold in my hand. And Lord, I believe this morning in the manger. I believe in the birthplace of lowliness and humility. And Lord, there's nothing exciting or shiny or beautiful about that stable. But the picture is that there's hidden treasure there. And Lord, we have found that treasure this morning. You have found us. You have paid a price. I could never pay for my salvation. And Lord, I want to spend the rest of my life giving back to you. Churches, your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. That's the real reason for Christmas. Giving. Giving. Giving of ourselves. Giving of our time. Giving of our things. But more than anything, giving back to God. You know what God wants from you this morning? He wants you to tell other people about what he did for you. He wants nobody, the Bible says, to go to heaven or to hell. He wants nobody to miss heaven. He wants everyone to be in heaven with him. He says that, I wish that none would perish, but that everyone would have everlasting life. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm not asking if you've heard of him. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm asking, have you been born again? I'm asking, have you given Jesus Christ lordship of your life? Do you believe that Jesus Christ came from heaven, born in a, of a virgin, in a manger, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and rose from the dead? And because of that, you can have eternal life. If you believe that this morning, but have never said that prayer and never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. How many all over this place could be honest with God and say, I don't want to walk out of this place without knowing that I'm saved. I don't want to leave this place without knowing that I have eternal life. Because just as Brian said at prayer, in one instance your life can change. Thank God that person didn't die, but that man could have died instantly last night at that basketball game. It's instantaneous when you pass into eternity. And you can't do anything about your salvation after you breathe your last breath. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. We have to be ready when we breathe our last breath. How many all over this place could say, would you, would you pray for me this morning? I need to say that prayer. Just put your hand up and put it right back down all over this place. That's me. I'm not sure. God bless you. God bless you. 
I need that, I need that in my life. I, I'm, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of acting like a, like a believer. I want to be a believer. I want to I give back to the Lord. How many this morning, this is just for you and God, not for me. You, you don't have to raise your hand or nothing. Inside of you, you're saying, man, God, I, I really want to work on my crown. I really want to lay something down at your feet that's meaningful when I stand before you. I might have to give some things up. I might have to sacrifice some of my time. I might have to prioritize some things in my life. But I don't want to stand before you without a crown. If that's you, let God speak to your heart this morning. Let God minister to you and challenge you to do something great for Him this morning. As we stand to our feet this morning all over this place, we're going to sing a worship song. It's early this morning. We're going to open up the altars. If you want prayer for something, you're welcome to come and pray. I'll pray with you and agree with you this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you want to be saved this morning, just step out and come down here and we'll pray with you this morning for salvation. Jesus wants to change your life this morning. As we begin to sing, I'm going to open these altars for prayer. Maybe you need a physical touch in your body. I still believe Jesus heals. If you need a, a, a marriage solution, if you need a financial solution, if you need a touch in your body, I want to agree with you this morning as we sing. Amen. I want, to, I want you to come and just lay it down at the Lord's feet this morning. And God's going to touch you. And God's going to minister to you this morning. There's healing in this place. There's restoration in this place. There's hidden treasure in God this morning. He has such awesome things for us this morning. Seek Him while He may be found. Thank you, Jesus. If you're at your seat today, just, just worship the Lord. Just take some time to pray. Just take some time to reflect on what God has spoken to you this morning. Put it into practice. Lay it down. Maybe God's speaking to you to lay some things down at His feet today. Maybe there's some areas of your life you have not committed to Him. Commit that to Him this morning. Lord, I pray for physical touches this morning. Lord, physical bodies to be healed this morning. We come against the spirits of cancer this morning. Lord, I pray for healing in our minds this morning, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that we're able to come and lay everything down at your feet. And you can change us and transform us. And give us a new direction this morning. A new hope. To set us free. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Now I live.